0: John 14, beginning at verse 15. This is God's holy and infallible word. If you love me, this is Jesus continuing to speak to his disciples. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. That's God's word for us tonight. May he bless it to his people. So, what we find here on Pentecost Sunday evening, providentially, in this section of John that we're now up to, is Jesus' promise to his disciples of the Holy Spirit who will come. He's telling his disciples that he will be leaving, and that will happen, of course, after the cross, the resurrection, and the Spirit will come. We've had some wonderful sermons by Pastor Matthew on the Holy Spirit leading up to and including this morning. Uh, on Pentecost Sunday and in all those messages we've been talking about the Spirit we've been learning about the Spirit but I think the Holy Spirit is important enough that we can have another sermon on him tonight and I think Christians are confused enough by who the Spirit is and what he does that we should have another message on the Spirit tonight you know when, when we we talk about God of course we don't get it all we can't grasp it all there is much mystery but you know we we have a decent handle on who jesus is because he assumed human flesh he became one of us he lived and walked on this earth and there's so much written on jesus in the gospels god the father we have a pretty good sense of of course we don't grasp him completely not at all but we can understand god the father because he reveals himself as a father. And we understand the idea of a father. But the Holy Spirit is a whole different matter. You know, I've heard even preachers make the mistake of calling the spirit an it when he's a person. But the fact is, it all is a little confusing because how can a spirit be a person? And what does he look like? What does he do? Our verses tonight tell us quite a bit about the Holy Spirit. John uses throughout his gospel a certain word to talk about him, a certain name for him, and it's in our text. It's the one translated counselor, and the word is paraclete. We sing that in one of our hymns. We sang it this morning, the Father's promised Heraclete, there are different translations of that word, including counselor, which we have here in the NIV, but I think the best one for our purposes is helper. And some translations of the Bible uh, actually just put helper there, helper, capital H. So who is the Holy Spirit? Someone asked you that, you wonder, give him, this is a good answer. He is very simply our divine God helper. He helps the Father. He helps the Son. He helps the people of God. And so tonight we're going to see how the Holy Spirit helps you. I believe there are six ways that we're going to kind of move quickly through from our text. And my prayer is that out of this message, out of the worship service tonight, we will come to know God the Spirit more. My prayer is that you and I will be encouraged when we hear about the Spirit's work tonight and that we will have grown in a thankfulness to God for His Spirit that will spill over to others that we meet tonight. So, the six things. First of all, the Holy Spirit helps you in your salvation. Six ways the Holy Spirit helps you. He helps you in your salvation. And this is the most really foundational. Um, maybe eternally significant way in which the Spirit helps us. He helps us in salvation because He is fully God and God is a saving God. But the Spirit is not identical to the Father or to the Son. You notice Jesus says the Father will give you another paraclete in verse 16. Another paraclete helper so in addition to jesus and so that means somehow if he's another right the spirit is apart from jesus he is not the same as jesus and that starts to bring us into the mystery of the trinity one god in three persons father son and holy spirit we don't have the word trinity in the bible but the trinity is taught in the bible and in fact it's one of the most foundational beliefs that set christians apart it both what we believe about the trinity and the person of jesus which we're not getting into tonight but you have to have both of those in line with scripture and how the church has understood scripture who is god who is jesus especially So, it's important to to know something of this because it's central to the Bible. People have used analogies, illustrations, to help us try to grasp this very mysterious thing. Um, one, One illustration is a triangle. And I don't know if you ever noticed that, but there's the triangle with a cross in it. That is the logo of the Christian Reformed Church in North America. And that gets at what I just said, that the triangle refers to the Trinity and the cross, of course, to Jesus. A triangle has three sides, but yet it is one shape. But no picture or illustration can describe the Trinity fully because this is mystery. And even using language, words... That's a lot more precise than pictures, but even language can't fully explain it. It's it's a paradox, and a paradox is an apparent contradiction. Trinity is not a contradiction, and a paradox is an apparent contradiction. And so what we do when we talk about the Trinity and when we teach about the Trinity is we stick with tried and true language that the church has been led to over the years, which tells us that God is one God who is one single essence in whom there are three persons who are really, truly, eternally distinct. But yet this distinction does not divide God into three. So that's some of the precise language the church has used. Each person of the Trinity has all of the attributes of God. So whatever you can say about the Father, Son, and Spirit, each one is holy, perfect, all-powerful, loving, and all the rest. God's great work of salvation, it was planned in the divine council in eternity between the Father, Son, and Spirit. And though Father, Son, and Spirit are all involved in all aspects of our salvation, the Bible talks about different primary roles That Each one has the father set the stage with creation. He providentially guided all things until the time was right for the son to come the son in eternity agreed to go to earth and to assume human nature and to die and rise again for our sins and now Jesus in our text is talking about another helper in our salvation referring to that third person of the Trinity and highlighting his role in salvation. The other helper, the Spirit, is taking Jesus' place in a sense because Jesus will be ascending. And that's what Jesus is preparing his disciples for, this next phase in the history of salvation. Christ was fully God there alongside the disciples, next to them. And in a little while, after he dies and rises again, he's going to go into heaven. And the Spirit will take his place in a sense. Jesus is our divine helper in heaven, and he's left us with the divine helper on earth, the Holy Spirit. You know, when, uh, when Michael Jordan took a breather, His sub would come off the bench and you'd kind of wince and just hope he didn't mess things up. You hope the lead wasn't blown too much with that second string out there. But that's not the way it goes with the Spirit coming after Jesus. Jesus is our divine all-star. But when He leaves for heaven, He doesn't leave us with the second string. He's not leaving us with second best Why? Well, because the Spirit is divine. He is fully God. He's every bit as capable as Jesus in our lives for our salvation. He has all the attributes of God the Father and the Son, and He too helps us in our salvation. Second, the Spirit helps you in your sanctification. Sanctification is a word to describe us becoming holy, more like Jesus. Sanctus means holy. Sanctification flows from salvation. God saves, and then our relationship with the Lord continues and grows. That's sanctification. Pastor Matthew talked about that this morning in talking about progressive holiness. Though the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all always involved and present in our lives, the Spirit is the one who especially helps us here in sanctification. We're brought to this idea of holiness and sanctification in our text because of verse 16, where Jesus tells His disciples that the world cannot accept the Spirit. The world cannot accept the Spirit. It's not that the world won't. The world can't. And Jesus is reminding us here how the world really is different, really is apart from us, really is an enemy. The world cannot accept the Spirit, and the Spirit keeps us distinct from the world. He is the Holy Spirit, and that's what holy means, being distinct from the world. There's a lot of talk in our text about obeying God, following His commands. You see it in verse 15 and 23 and 24. The Spirit helps us in that. And that's how we become sanctified. By following God's ways. By loving God. By loving one another. Third, the Spirit helps us In our hour of need, paraclete can also be translated counselor, as it is here in the NIV, or sometimes comforter. And that gets at another way he helps us. Jesus says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Well, an orphan is an ultimate example of someone in need. In New Testament times, children were of lowest importance of anybody in society. No rights, weak, helpless. And so an orphan, a child without a parent, was in big trouble. He or she was in a very bad place. This chapter started out with Jesus saying to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he repeats that in our text in verse 27. And he adds, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And so Jesus is telling us, his followers, that in our troubles, in our weakness, when we don't have peace, in the midst of our orphan-like helplessness, who comes? The Spirit comes. And He helps us. He says, I will not leave you as orphans in this passage. That's all about Jesus leaving, but yet He's not leaving them. He's leaving them, but He's not leaving them alone because He's bringing another, this other, the Holy Spirit. And as God's child tonight, this means that you are not alone as an orphan either. When when you're in, in maybe it's physical pain, if you're in trouble, if, if you're having worries about a loved one, maybe students, it's during that challenging test at school, when, when things in your life just seem a mess or not right, you have help. Is anybody watching the, the NBA Finals? The second game is on tonight. Even though the Lakers aren't in the Finals, I am watching. Um, It's Heat versus Spurs. I saw the first game, and if you saw any news clips of sports in the last couple days, you saw one thing in particular in that game, and that was that LeBron James, the best player in the NBA, had to sit out the last four or five minutes of the game from severe muscle cramps. They just tightened up. He could do nothing. And the sad thing is, the poor guy is just being everyone's just making fun of him he needed help he was so bad he needed a couple of players to to carry him off the court and to go to the bench he he couldn't even walk the strongest nba player the toughest guy and he needed this help because he was in big trouble in severe pain and you know We are in big trouble sometimes in life. And the Spirit, the Word of God tells us, helps us in our need. He comes alongside us. He picks us up, if need be, and carries us. The Holy Spirit helps you, my friends, in your time of need too. Fourth, the Spirit helps you in your search for truth. In life and I would say that in one way or another everybody is looking for truth I don't think you have to be studying philosophy in school for this to be true of you because every person is looking for the best way to live their life they're looking for the best life the best path for them Well, the Spirit, says verse 17, is the Spirit of truth. In the Gospel of John, the idea of truth is always aligned with the Word of God, both the written Word of God, the Scriptures, and with the incarnate Word of God. That's Jesus. The Word become flesh. And so that means that the Spirit of truth will always bring us to Jesus and bring us to his word. If the Spirit tells someone something that leads him or her away from Jesus or tells us something that contradicts the Bible, it's not the Spirit of Jesus. It's another Spirit, and it's a Spirit you want to get away from as quickly as possible. In verse 26, Jesus says, The Spirit will teach you all things. The Spirit will remind you of everything I have said to you. So, it's interesting that we sometimes think of the Spirit as as something wishy-washy or or not concrete, or like the Spirit has to do with our emotions and our feelings, speaking in tongues, almost chaos. But in fact, He is the Spirit of truth. And He confirms in us and brings us to the teachings of Jesus, to the Word of God. You want to be a Spirit-filled person? I do. Well, know the truth. Grow in the Word. Know and follow the teachings of Jesus more with the help of God. Fifth, the Spirit helps you in your experience of God. In our verses, I already mentioned it, Jesus calls us to love God, to obey His commands, and that's a calling that God's Word gives us. And it's a challenging one. But there's something That happens prior to that calling, which is very encouraging because it's a tough thing to do. We learn in the Bible that God loves us first before we love him. Romans 5.5 says something about that that connects with the spirit. Romans 5.5, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So He shows us His love by putting His Spirit in our hearts. And through the Holy Spirit, we experience and know the love of God. First Peter 1.8 talks of something wondrous for the believer. And it says there that though we have not seen Jesus yet we love Him and we believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You ever come across that verse before in 1 Peter? I'm going to read it again. Though we have not seen Jesus, and this is for believers, yet we love Him and we believe in Him. And then this, and we are filled with, with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And so, with the Spirit's infilling, we can experience God in glorious ways, inexpressible ways, says God's Word in First Peter. Finally tonight, the Holy Spirit helps you in your helping others. Because, of course, God's help for us is always to help others. As Jesus started out chapter 14, He ends it by talking about going away and then coming back. He would go to the cross, rise again, ascend, go into heaven to prepare a place for us. One day He's coming back. What happens in between those big events, the ascension, And the second coming is pretty important because that time period has lasted some 2,000 years and it's the time that we're living in. In that time, we have a calling, friends. We have a purpose to love our God, to love our neighbor as ourself, to serve our God, to be a servant of others. Jesus says about that time, this time we're living in, in our text, verse 31, the world must learn that I love the Father. The world must know. You hear the missional thrust of Jesus talking to His disciples that the world must know. The Word, the Spirit, the message must go out. Believers don't keep it all in churches don't keep it all inside we spread the word of jesus the spirit helps us help others with the spirit's help we can support the mission of the church to spread the word about jesus he can give us a passion and an excitement about god's mission and god's church the spirit helps us build up the church And he helps us in our day to day kingdom living too. As we display the fruit of the Spirit in our homes, in our work, we're helping others by showing them and telling them of the love of God in Jesus inside us. The Holy Spirit is fully God, he has a very special task in God's plan. And it is to help you, his child especially. He helps you in salvation, in sanctification, in your hour of need, in your search for the truth, in your experiencing God, maybe in brand new, wonderful ways. And as you help others, praise the Lord. Our God is great. Our God is good to us. Even in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we see it. Amen.